I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. America with your host, Sean Parnell. Welcome to Battleground Live. It's Friday. My name is Sean Parnell. Uh, I'm a combat veteran. I'm a New York Times bestselling author, but more important than those two things, I am simply a humble servant of America. And it's Friday, everybody. And I have to say, uh, coming right off the top rope, that I am very, 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 very frustrated with Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives. I could not be more disappointed with how our party has conducted ourselves. Uh, it's been, frankly, an abject disaster. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this battle that I have going on with Twitter and community notes that happened last night over a viral tweet after Joe Biden gave the worst speech and I think the history of the office of the president of the United States. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the threat that we face here at home and how the enemy is already here. We're going to talk about our open border. And of course, we're going to end on Friday with uh, a very, very light note going into the weekend uh, with some fun stuff. So I hope you all have a great weekend because we've dealt with serious stuff all week. As usual, right off the top, I want to make sure that if you're watching this show, whether you're on Red Voice Media, okay, or you're watching it here in Parnell's Platoon on Battleground Live on my Rumble feed, if you're watching on Battleground Live here with me, go over to Red Voice Media, subscribe to their channel. If you're watching on Red Voice Media, come over here to Battleground Live and subscribe to my channel because we're all conservatives. We're all fighting the exact exact same fight, pushing back against the radical left to make sure that they do not ever destroy this country. And so it's always best for conservatives to be united in that effort and have over having overlapping fields of fire is the most tactically effective way to do it. And so it's all about having each other's backs. And I want Red Voice Media to have the back of Parnell's platoon and Parnell's platoon to have the back of Red Voice Media. So let's get that done. Obviously, say at the top of every video, like this video, Rumble, because Rumble Rumble notices, and the more Rumble notices, the better our show will become. So, uh, besides, this show is for you. We want, you know, I, I, you all know. As soon as we post the the live link to the show, I'm in the live chat engaging with all of you. Uh, and so, this is your show. It always will be. It's always going to be free from Monday through Friday, right at 5 p.m. to 6 o'clock um, every single night of the week, five days a week, and just bringing you the facts, folks. That's all I do. Sometimes you like what I have to say. Sometimes Sometimes you don't, <laughs> and when you when you when you don't like what I have to say, I hear from you, and I get it. But you know, I just feel like it's 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 my job, and I take the responsibility very seriously to bring you the truth. And um, 
Yeah, Republicans on the Hill were a little bit of a disaster. Before I get into that, just want to thank Deepwell. They're the founding sponsor of this program. They're a great American energy company. they got locations all across the country. They're hiring. If you need a job, look them up at deepwellservices.com. Filled with American patriots there. You won't regret working for them. They pay really, really well, have great benefits packages. Um, just an amazing oil company, uh, oil and gas company. And again, if you apply, you don't actually have to work in an oil field. They have all sorts of other jobs as well. But it's a great company to work for tough economic times as well, but this company is growing like gangbusters and they're amazing. Okay. Speaker stuff. Folks, I got to tell you, uh, Jim Jordan, it's like, it's like Republicans who I know watch this show. It's like they watched my open yesterday, like, and did the exact opposite of everything that I've recommended that they do. <laughs> They, the Republicans behind closed door today uh, on a secret ballot removed Jim Jordan as the speaker designee. And let me have a look at the vote. But the vote was like, you know, you only had 25 people opposing um, Jim Jordan in open. Right. But I think there was 112 people. It was like a, the vote was like 112 to 86. So 112 voted against uh, 86 voted for. So 112 people or something like that opposed Jim Jordan on the secret ballot. Only 25 people opposed him in public. Um, but, folks, this is this is a disaster. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'll give you, again, some of the insider baseball. Uh, much of Jim Jordan's struggles when he was running for speaker here, again, he was anywhere between 20 votes short. And I think on the second vote, he was 22 votes short. And on the third vote, he was 25 votes short. And what did I tell you all? I told you that the more votes he has in quick succession, the more support he will erode. I don't ask me why that is, but if, if there are 20 votes uh, against him on the first round, people that were kind of on the fence in the first round were more likely to come out in the second, therefore more likely to come out in the third, which is why he's bled support little by little over time. And it's also unfair in, in a couple of, in a, in a lot of ways to only give Jim Jordan, who by the way would be is as a hell of a speaker candidate, I told you this yesterday, but when we took back the House majority in 2022 in November, Kevin McCarthy had three months to get his act together to get to 217. It's not fair that we've only given Jim Jordan a couple of days to do it and then to vote him out and remove him as the speaker designee behind closed doors on a secret ballot is just... I just have to tell you, I'm really disappointed in our party for doing that. That's just some gross insider baseball crap. But I'll, I'll also say this. Jim Jordan, I told you, was short, 20, 22 votes, 25 votes. This conflict and these holdouts, some of them, stretches all the way back to the gutting under then-Speaker Boehner of what's called the Republican Study Committee. The Republican Study Committee on the U.S. House of Representatives is supposed to be the largest coalition of the most conservative Republicans in the House of Representatives. That was, that was what it was like back then. And uh, then Speaker Boehner was working with a Democrat leader in the Senate to pass a budget that the most conservative members of the Republican Study Committee were against. And because it was a large coalition back in the day of conservative members, uh, they, Boehner wanted to gut that institution. And John Boehner sicked then young congressman Steve Scalise on that institution and filed, fired the senior staffer there and effectively gutting it, breaking up the Republican Study Committee. 
when that happened, there was sort of a civil war within the Republican Party, kind of like the civil war that we're seeing today. Our party does this all the time. Um, but there was kind of a civil war within the Republican Party. And born from the destruction of the Republican Study Committee was the House Freedom Caucus. And Jim Jordan, of course, has been the rock star for the House Freedom Caucus from the time of its inception until now. And the mission of the House Freedom Caucus is to represent the most conservative among us. And oftentimes that means being diametrically opposed to the goals and initiatives of leadership. And so what happened, that fracture, what happened with that fracture when that happened was you had Steve Scalise on one side who many of those conservatives who are now members of the Freedom Caucus, they blamed him for gutting one of the most conservative institutions of the Republican House of Representatives back then. And of course, Steve Scalise, being a John Boehner loyalist, did not like members of the Freedom Caucus either because they were diametrically opposed to leadership. And Steve Scalise has been climbing the leadership ladder in the U.S. House of Representatives since then Speaker John Boehner. And many of the 20 holdouts for Jim Jordan were holdovers from this conflict and I think can be directly attributed to Steve Scalise. And by the way, I like Steve Scalise. He helped me a lot during my run for Congress. Um, I, I have no ill will against the guy. I'm just telling you, giving the historical context for why I believe Jim Jordan came up short. Um, but again, you know, now we got tons of Republicans who, you know, Jim, jo Jim Jordan's not going to be the guy anymore, but we got tons of Republicans who are now throwing their hat in the ring. Um, let's see here. Um, looking at Jake Sherman on Punchbowl, who has been on top of this stuff, uh, the House of Representatives stuff for some time. Uh, but candidates who are making uh, calls or considering getting in the race for Speaker Tom Emmer, who is, again, one of those guys who's, who have been climbing the leadership ladder in the U.S. House of Representatives, Congressman from Minnesota, uh, has been climbing the leadership ladder for some time. With Byron Donalds, who, by the way, if uh, of this list, let me just read you the list, but I'll tell you right now. Of the people here on this list, Byron Donalds would be the guy, if I were sitting in the U.S. House of Representatives, he'd be the guy that I would vote for. Although, um, the only sort of check against him is that he's kind of a young congressman that doesn't really understand the institution. And I've told you before that there is some wisdom. If you really like your member of Congress and you think they're a great representative of your district, then you don't want that person to be Speaker of the House because you literally never see them again. Um, there is some wisdom uh to giving the speakership or electing a speaker that is a swamp creature killer that knows where all the bodies are buried in Washington, knows all of those, like, can pull from his back pocket a policy or procedure that can be used to crush the Democrats from, like, 1836 that nobody else is aware of, um, somebody that just understands the institution of Washington and then can weaponize those things against the Democrats. So I do think there is some wisdom in that. And, of course, Byron Donalds isn't going to have that experience because he's not been in Washington all that long. But I just do like him a lot. Um, so you got Byron Donalds, you got Austin Scott, you got Jack Bergman, Kevin Hearn, Mike Johnson, Mark Green, Roger Williams uh, from Texas as well. All these people are thinking of a speakership and I'm just sorry to say, uh, but what a total cluster. I mean, we had... I Folks, I've told you the three options, right? And and I appreciate you all using that language in the chat when we talk about it. But we had, when we got rid of Kevin McCarthy, 
you know, even though I disagreed with the tactics of doing it, I thought it would be great if Matt Gates would have had somebody queued up and ready to go and ready to vote on that day. But hey, look, what's done is done. Uh, sometimes stuff happens that you, you don't necessarily agree with. But look, uh, you, you just roll with the punches, right, folks? Uh, so Kevin McCarthy's gone. But we had a real freaking great opportunity to elect a conservative warrior, somebody who's been taking the fight to the Democrats for a long time. And folks, it looks like that is going to slip through our fingers. I'm sorry, but the option two, the squish option, option three, Hakeem Jeffries. And the reason why I'm reiterating what's happening with these options is that if Republicans, if there's a rogue Republican or somebody in leadership right now that wants to make wants to have a vote this weekend, uh, the Democrats are staying on Capitol Hill. Some Republicans are going home. And so what if they force a vote on this issue? Okay, if they force a vote on this issue, you could very, very easily end up with the squish option, because if you don't have Republicans on Capitol Hill on the floor voting, then you're not going to have the numbers to get the ball across the goal line to elect a strong conservative Republican speaker. So I know that they're supposed to have a conference on Monday. I know they're supposed to put names in the basket on Monday. Uh, I get all that. But there is a danger. I mean, if there's some procedural issue or some procedural mechanism where Dems can force a vote and Republicans aren't home or Republicans are home and they don't have the numbers in mass to vote, you could end up with a, a an Akeem Jeffries speakership or almost just as bad a Republican squish. And there's I've got this Akeem Jeffries video. Remember what I told you? Beware the squish option, right? Where you have a what they call what the Democrats like to call a bipartisan, non-MAGA, non-America first, bipartisan consensus candidate. Remember, beware the squish where it's a Republican that is willing to work with Democrats, have the vast majority of the 212 Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives voting for this Republican who, by the way, would not be America first. And and look, I read through Patrick McHenry's voting record, his actual voting record yesterday, right here on this show, very recently with regards to Ukraine. If you missed the show yesterday, go check it out. Uh, but I can pretty much guarantee you that you all aren't going to like it. But watch Akeem Jeffries, listen to what he talks about here in this video, and then remember what I told you about beware the squish option. Go ahead and roll this tape. Your people here this weekend to continue to block Mr. Jordan, that you have enough votes every single roll call vote this weekend? We recognize that Jim Jordan is a clear and present danger to the American people. And we are going to be here for as long as it takes to end this national nightmare. Any moderate Republicans who will be willing to partner with you on a speaker candidate? It's a question you should ask them. Would you ever vote for Patrick McHenry on the floor? I've said repeatedly that there are many Republicans on the other side of the aisle who we believe are good Americans, good patriots, good men and women. Patrick McHenry is one of them. There are others. Told you. I told you. Patrick McHenry is one of them. So there you have it. That there, ladies and gentlemen, is proof of the squish option. This is the option. We have to be careful of, of allowing some of these moderate squishes in the House of Representatives. They'll trigger this. They'll activate it. They'll work with Democrats. And I'm telling you, we are on a collision course right now to ensure something like this happens. And I'm sorry, it would be an absolute freaking meteoric cataclysmic 
intergalactic disaster because the House of Representatives is the only legislative body that Republicans have a majority in. It's the only thing that stands in the way of the Biden administration of a radical Democrat U.S. Senate and and their goals of tearing down this country. And if you don't believe me, look, if they end up getting control of the U.S. House of Representatives before this election cycle, you can bet that they'll pack the United States Supreme Court. Just bank on it. You can bet that they'll they'll start voting on adding two additional senators in Washington, D.C. You can bank on that, which would fundamentally give Democrats a majority in the U.S. Senate for basically the next 50, 60, certainly for the rest of our lifetimes. Um, you can bet that they will ram through a federal election takeover and erode every single state election integrity measure that's in place. By the way, there's already a bill in the U.S. House of Representatives that was crafted with Nancy Pelosi, was Speaker of the House, ready to go had they won the majority in November, but thankfully they did not in 2022 that did just that. A federal election takeover that just allows no excuse mail-in voting for the entire freaking country. You can bet that they would pass the PRO Act, which would be a wet blanket on our economy. A PRO Act basically gets rid of 1099 contractors. It makes it completely illegal. And what no one talks about is that it affords illegal immigrants union protection. They don't have to be citizens. So all it does is this is very, very anti-union worker. It's anti-U.S. economy. As I mentioned, it's a wet blanket on our economy, but it pluses up union coffers and those unions turn around and give 99.9% of what they raise from illegals who cross our southern border right back to Democrat candidates. So if you're a Republican running in the local, state, federal elections, and you have the union standing against you and the PRO Act passes, <laughs> these unions are going to be plussed up with cash like they've never been before. And oh, by the way, because now illegal immigrants have union protection, if you're a member, if you're a union member, you think it's going to be more difficult or you think it's going to be easier or harder to get a job competing against illegal immigrants. It's going to be a hell of a lot harder. And these are just a couple of things that the Democrats will do if they, if they control the House, the Senate, and the White House. And if they pack the United States Supreme Court, they're going to have a safety net there as well. So this, these are the stakes, folks. This is why the Republicans can't afford to fail here. This is a zero-sum game. So if you're a Republican in the U.S. House of Representatives, I'm sorry, and this is a blanket statement, and many of you all are my friends, but you all have failed your constituents. You know, I, I've given you the context, folks, the viewers, people who are listening, watching uh, about the Republican Study Committee and a feud between Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan and the Freedom Caucus and some of the more establishment members of the leadership. Who gives a shit about that? I don't care about your personality disputes. I don't care about your personal goals and ambitions. I don't care. Who wants to be, you know, who's climbing that ladder and who's just comfortable being an establishment person, you know, making 174 grand a year, just trying to fly behind the radar, work behind the curtain. I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. Your job is to represent your constituents. And what happened on Capitol Hill today was just a disgrace because the, the will of your constituents would have been to support Congressman Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House. I mean, everywhere I go, everyone I talk to, my email box, people calling me, texting me all day saying, what the hell are the Republicans doing? And the answer is, I simply don't know. But if you look at what's happening in the Republican primary right now, 
And many of these primary candidates now, I mean, I think a new poll came out today that had Donald Trump up at like 59%, almost at 60%. And you had Nikki Haley in second place with 8%, Ron DeSantis in third place for 7%. I mean, DeSantis just keeps going down and down and down, but that's, that's a, a conversation for another time. But many of their criticisms against President Trump have been, wow, well, look, he didn't make good on his promises in the four years that he was in the White House. Well, two of those years, he had Paul Ryan as Speaker of the House, who was throwing up one blockade after the next, trying to make Trump's life as president more difficult. Paul Ryan, as Speaker of the House, is a Republican. He's supposed to be in Trump's corner. We're supposed to work together. But what you're seeing on Capitol Hill right now is proof positive that Republicans just flat out suck at being team players. I mean, for God's sake, when Trump was president, they couldn't even appropriate in a Republican-controlled House $4 billion for a border wall. Now, of course, you see now how ridiculous that is with hindsight, given that we we have appropriated and just given to Ukraine over $100 billion of U.S. taxpayer money, and we'll be at close to $200 billion by the end of this year. That is insane. Trump asked for $4 billion for the wall, and we couldn't even get it done. Now, you just look, imagine what could have happened had we got the wall finished before Trump left office after four years. Do you think maybe that would have stemmed the tide to the unbelievable flow of illegal illegal immigrants into this country today? Absolutely. For what was a relatively modest investment of $4 billion, can you imagine the profound positive national security effects that would have for this country? But Republicans in the House of Representatives couldn't even give them that. I mean, how absurd does that look now? With all the money that we waste today that Joe Biden is spending and basically setting on fire, giving it to foreign countries all over the world, while Americans languish here at home. It's absolutely so frustrating, folks. And look, I'm going to get into this community notes thing with Twitter and this viral tweet that I had last night. Before I do that, let me tell you about American alternative assets. Listen up, folks. Bidenomics is not working because, of course, it's not. Biden sucks. The U.S. dollar is losing value and your hard-earned savings are at risk. You can act now before it's too late with one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833-2-USA-GOLD. That's 833-287-2465. Or visit protectfrombiden.com because Biden sucks and we need protection from him. This invaluable guide will outline the precise precise steps you need to take immediately to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals, all without any tax consequences. So call 833-2-USA-GOLD. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com. Okay, on to this community note thing. So yesterday during Joe Biden's uh, speech, which again goes will go down as undoubtedly one of the worst presidential speeches in the history of the world for a lot of different reasons, and I'll get into that here in a second. He said during that speech that Hamas is does not represent the Palestinian people, and you know, of course, on its surface at thirty thousand feet, like maybe that's true, but but the reality is is that. 
Hamas was swept into power in a landslide election in 2006, where they won 76 seats in the Palestinian parliament. Let's go ahead and throw up my tweet up there. And, and so there's a tweet I put out there last night, and I think it's reached well over a million people at this point. And I was quote tweeting Joe Biden, which means I put that over Joe Biden saying that the Palestinians are not Hamas. Okay. Uh, throw up the community note that Twitter or X, which is now X, put on this tweet. Do we have it? Yeah, there it says the last election occurred in Gaza took place in 2006. And with roughly half the population of Gaza being under the age of 18, it would be obvious to conclude that the majority of Gazans living today did not vote for them. That is not the point of my tweet. The point of my tweet was to say very clearly that, yes, it's it's Joe Biden said that Hamas does not represent the Palestinians. My tweet said very clearly that, yes, the Palestinians elected them in an historic landslide. Doesn't matter when they did it. But they yes, they do. Hamas literally represents them. Literally. I mean, it's so. The, this is my this is my response to the community note. Said so the community note, you can read it yourself. Um, but here's the deal: like, there's this 2021 article in the AP. Um, do we have that? Do we have that image of the AP article? Uh, the title of the AP article is "This is Yeah, there it is." The poll finds dramatic rise in Palestinian support for Hamas. This is in 2021. The article goes on to say a new poll released Tuesday finds a dramatic surge in Palestinian support for Hamas following last month's Gaza war, with around three quarters viewing the Islamic militants as victors in a battle against Israel to defend Jerusalem and its holy sites. The poll, the article goes on to say that the poll found that 53% of Palestinians believe Hamas is most deserving and representing leading the Palestinian people. So I'm sorry, folks, like the Palestinians voted for Hamas. They allowed them to represent them. They're paying the price for it. Yes, yes, 2006 was the last election. Maybe because maybe it's the last election because you elected a bunch of terrorists. But since then, Hamas still enjoys an unbelievable amount of support in Gaza. 53% believe Hamas is doing a good job and that was as of 2021, 2021. And oh by the way, it was from an article from the Associated Press which is about as anti-Israel as you could possibly get. Why? Because the Associated Press, just a few years ago, was sharing office space with Hamas. So you can bet that if the Associated Press is saying only 53% of the Palestinians support Hamas, you can bet that that number is far higher. So that community note is complete BS. And, you know, this is the problem, folks. This is why it's so difficult and also so important for you all to speak with moral clarity on these issues. There is good and there is evil in this world. And the good cannot be afraid to stand up to evil. And I'll tell you, the left 
they have this thing called moral relativism. And it's like, look, we have our way of life here in the West, but it's not necessarily better than everybody else's. So in other words, in Afghanistan, just because, you know, you bury women up to their head and stone them to death for daring to walk outside without their husband, or you behead people, or you have sex with young boys on Thursday because sex for procreation is the only thing that's allowed. So leisurely sex, you've got to have with children. I'm sorry. That is evil and I don't give a damn where you live. It's not right. And Americans in this country, the the people who are good, who just want, and this is not most people in this country are good people that just want to live their lives free from politics, free from government intrusion, enjoying the freedoms that we have here in this country. You can't just put your head down any longer. Evil is on the march in the world. It's on the rise. And the only thing that's going to stop it is good people. You know, I was, I was at the doctor's today cause you know, I had a surgery and stuff and I'm still recovering from that surgery and man, it's been one he- heck of a, a two weeks. Um, but I, as I was at the doctor's office, I, I saw this, uh, old man, you know, he was really hunched over, looked almost like, um, you know, a folded up lawn chair was really, really struggling. And he was walking up to these this set of double doors that he had to open. And, you know, my parents growing up always used to tell me, hold the door for people. Um, just always what they beat into me, you know? And so, um, not literally beat into me, but just made it emphasize, <laughs> emphasize the importance of having good manners. And so I got up out of my chair in the waiting room, walked over to the, to the door and hold, held it open for this gentleman. And he came up to me and, you know, he was again, an older guy. He said, you know what? Um, I used to hold the door open for people when I was a kid. Um, but not very many people do that anymore. So thank you. And we got to talking in the waiting room and come to find out that this guy was a Vietnam veteran, was a Marine. Uh, and I made sure to say, Hey, you know, welcome home. We're so lucky to have your support. And he could tell, uh, just by the shirt or something that I was wearing that I had served in the army. So he had asked me where I had served. I said, Fort Drum, New York with the 10th mountain division. Uh, and we got to talking about life and he just was, 99.9% of Americans, I feel like feels just like this man. He's like, you know, I don't think that Joe, I don't know how we got on politics. Okay. We're sitting there in the doctor's waiting room, but he's like, you know, I don't think that Joe Biden is the best president in the world, but there are some people that like him. So real balanced perspective. He said, I just don't like what he's doing to this country. It seems like our people are, are divided more now than they ever have been. And he went on talking about how we need to take better care of each other here in this country. His mom worked at the Pentagon um, w- w- during World War II. He had, comes from a, a long line of family and service, people, dedication and love for this country. And I couldn't help but sit there in the waiting room and think that just how lucky we are to have this country and people like him in it. And his mom before him working at the Pentagon as a woman in the 1940s at the height of World War II, people who just rose up to serve this country. And now he's sitting there saying that he's sad in, in the waning days of his life because he feels like the country is divided and that Joe Biden goes out of his way to do it. But is he, like I said, he wasn't nearly, I mean, clearly I'm, I'm very, very outspoken. Most people know exactly where I fall on certain issues, especially in Pennsylvania, where most people know me, but 
it got me to thinking that no, we don't in this country, the, the whole concept of neighborhood. Like when I grew up, I knew my neighbors. We talked to my neighbors. I would, I would run around. I'd play in the woods. Like it seems like Americans today are so insulated. It seems like there's not a whole great sense of community anymore. It, it, most people live in these subdivisions. Maybe you know your neighbors, maybe you don't. Uh, most likely now, if you live in a subdivision or neighborhood today, maybe you know your neighbor's name, uh, but you don't have an actual relationship with them. And all this stuff makes our country weaker, folks. And it's, it's tough because the Democrats want that division. The more insulated we are, the more difficult it is for us to unite. And, and that's the whole point of this show is to try to bring people on our side together and develop a sense of community. And that's why we go live as early as humanly possible. I get on the live chat. I engage with you all. And it just, because I want to create a sense of community here, but that sense of community is what you call a combat multiplier for the radical left. They're the ones that are out there day in and day out, dividing us along every single line, young versus old, rich versus poor, black versus white versus Latino, you know, uh, Christian, Muslim, atheist, whatever, uh, North, South. Uh, it's just unbelievable how they divide us and they balkanize us in this country. And the reason why they do it is that's how they maintain their power. That's how they maintain support. They divide us against one another so that we're so busy fighting each other that we don't look at the real enemies trying to fundamentally transform this country. And you look at what's happening in the U.S. House of Representatives for uh, among Republicans right now. We are divided. We're playing right into the Democrats' plan. And they love every second of it. You saw Hakeem Jeffries. You saw his face in that interview. He was thrilled. He was happy. You could tell he was living his best life. You could see him. He wasn't actually overtly smiling, but you could see him actually smiling inside in his heart. He was happy. You could see it in his body language. And I'm telling you, we live at an extraordinarily dangerous time, folks. So, so dangerous. You know, Joe Biden gave this speech last night from the Oval Office and you'd think, given all the horrors that happened in Israel recently, that the vast majority of his speech would be about Israel and how to defeat the scourge that, that is Hamas that has been murdering and killing Israeli civilians for the better part of 75 years and by and large responsible for much of the violence in that region directed at Israel. Certainly not something that, that Israel, it's, is Israel's fault either. Israel has, again, extended one olive branch after the next to Hamas. You know, there's this old phrase, if, if you know, Hamas laid down their weapons tomorrow, there would be peace the exact same day. If Israel laid down their weapons tomorrow, Israel would be wiped off the face of the planet. And that is indeed true. And it's really important to look at these issues with, again, circling back to the phrase moral clarity. That's what it means. Look at it from 30,000 feet. Who is, the, who, who is the group of people sparking this violence? Who, who are the group of people that just want to live in peace and live freely and live their lives, raise families, love their children, make sure their children inherit a country that where terrorists don't storm across the border and decapitate their children in front of their parents or rape girls in front of their parents. It's this world is evil and this evil is allowed to metastasize and grow because good people don't see with moral clarity. 
And by and large, the vast majority of those people who aren't seeing with moral clarity are these radical leftist lunatics out there who are essentially terrorist sympathizers who pave the way and allow things like this to happen because precisely because they don't see the world with any sort of moral clarity. You know, Biden had, there are lots of things I want to highlight from this speech, and we'll go through it bit by bit here. Um, but Biden called himself a wartime president, how he took trains with blacked out windows for a 10-hour ride to Ukraine. Again, to Ukraine. Not talking about Israel, talking about Ukraine. But let's go ahead and roll this tape and listen to Biden Our brag about himself. boarded Air Force One for a secret flight to Poland. There I boarded a train with blacked out windows for a 10 hour ride each way to Kyiv to stand with the people of Ukraine ahead of the one year anniversary of their brave fight against Putin. And I'm told I was the first American to enter a war zone not controlled by the United States military since President Lincoln. With me was just a small group of security personnel and a few advisors. So. With him was just a small group of security personnel with just a few advisors. You know, you notice how Joe Biden makes everything about him. I'm a wartime president. I didn't even have my staff with me. The implication being, look how courageous I am. Like somehow implying that he's Dwight D. Eisenhower at the height of World War II or something like that. Uh, Biden went on to talk about the assault on Israel and 20 month how and how he likened Israel to to the fight against uh, Ukraine's fight against Russia. Don't listen to me, but try not to let this mouth breather diminish your IQ by a full 20 points by watching this video. But go ahead and roll this this next tape of Biden's speech last night. You have innocent Palestinians who only want to live in peace and have an opportunity. You know, the assault on Israel echoes nearly 20 months of war, tragedy, and brutality inflicted on the people of Ukraine, people that were very badly hurt since Putin launched his all-out invasion. We've not forgotten the mass graves, the bodies found bearing signs of torture, rape used as a weapon by the Russians, and thousands and thousands of Ukrainians. So you see, I want I want to highlight exactly what he's trying to do here. He's trying to compare the atrocities in uh, he's trying to compare the atrocities that happened in Israel and tie them to Russia to galvanize support for Ukraine. He's using what happened in Israel to galvanize support for Ukraine by tying together Russia to Hamas. Okay, folks. I, I don't even need, I shouldn't even have to say this out loud. You don't have to be General Patton to understand this self, to understand this stuff. But Russia is an entirely different enemy than Hamas. Russia is a conventional threat with tanks, air power, surface to air missiles, and air defense artillery, artillery, jets, and air force. Hamas is an asymmetric threat. These two threats could not be more different yet are unbelievably dangerous. And you think about like just the, the world that we live in today and I, how I've told you time and again, the escalatory po probabilities that could happen in Ukraine and why it's just so dangerous for us here at home. But now you look at, at what's happening in Hamas and no doubt a, a war, if the U.S. gets embroiled with a war against Hamas directly, which we absolutely shouldn't, it will be positioned as a war against the entire Islamic world.
going and escalating a fight against Russia going into the winter, okay, and also escalating a fight with Hamas, an asymmetric threat which will largely largely be perceived as a fight against the entire Islamic world at the exact same time is a recipe for disaster. And you add to that what Janet Yellen said a couple of weeks ago, like, oh, sure, we can afford two wars. Oh, yes, 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 of course. Like, what world do you live in, lady? Like, we're $33 trillion in debt. Like, it's unbelievable. What world do these people live in? Of course our country can't afford two wars. And we shouldn't talk so flippantly about it anyway. Folks, America can't afford two wars. And when you add to that, the new studies that are coming out saying that something like 22% of our of our military is obese and we're, we've got recruiting shortfalls, something like 25% in every single branch, including our warfighters in the Army and in the Marines, the people that are boots on the ground. With the fact that we haven't evolved our force to sufficiently face a conventional threat in Russia, we're still uniquely positioned as, uh, to face asymmetric threats like Hamas. So in that way, it, we're, we're doing okay. But we are in big, big trouble right now, both from a military standpoint, from an economic standpoint, from a political leadership standpoint. And Joe Biden is at the helm. And the weakness that he is projecting on the world stage is unbelievably dangerous. And if you think that our enemies like China aren't watching this stuff, you are wrong. And Biden went on to make more comments. Again, remember my comments about how the Democrats love to divide us. Oh, you know, you're racist. You're misogynist. Oh, you're too old. You're too young. Like they do this stuff all the time and they do it so they can keep power. And Joe Biden, again, took his opportunity in his speech to do just that. Uh, listen to Joe Biden's comments on the Muslim American community and how they might be outraged right now. Go ahead and roll about the tape. Daily lives. And I know many of you in the Muslim American community, the Arab American community, the Palestinian American community, and so many others are outraged and hearty, saying to yourselves, here we go again with Islamophobia and distrust we saw after 9-11. Just last week, a mother was brutally stabbed. A little boy here in the United States, a little boy. Folks, all across this country, there have been protests both in large cities and on college campuses in pro-Hamas protests against the Jews, celebrating the massacre in Israel. I have not seen one anti-Islamic protest in this country since Hamas attacked Israel. Not one. Not a single one. So why Joe Biden is talking about Islamophobia and not the opposite he touched on anti-Semitism a little bit, but the rise of anti-Semitism in this country and anti-Israel sentiment is unbelievable. There was something, there's a New York Post article that just the other day, or I think just today, where they, the New York police had found something spray painted in a, in a subway tunnel that said, kill all the Jews. I mean, you have college professors saying how exhilarating that terrorist massacre was in Israel where babies were decapitated and women were raped and people were burned alive with their hands tied behind their back. We live in a very dangerous world. And so in the end, at the end of this Biden speech, it was essentially about Biden giving a speech about problems that he helped create through weakness. And from that weakness, Russia saw it, they identified it, and they decided to invade Ukraine. 
And then you add to that the humiliating and embarrassing surrender in Afghanistan on the world stage. But guarantee you China saw that. Guarantee you Russia saw that. And if you look at the just how he's treated Iran since the moment he walked back into office, whether it was with the Iran nuclear deal, re-entering that and paving the way for them to get a bomb, you know, giving them $6 billion in sanction-free money that no doubt is going to be used to fund and export terror all around the world, or hiring Rob, Oma- Rob Malley, who is basically a Hamas sympathizer and also an Iranian sympathizer, to help soften U.S. policy towards Iran. This president has put this world on the brink And that's just not a phrase. That's not talking points. This stuff puts your family at risk. It all matters. And in the end, Biden talked more about giving money to Ukraine than he did about Israel. He equated somehow anti-Semitism to Islamophobia. As I mentioned, I I don't recall seeing, you know, I don't recall seeing protests against Islam in this country. In fact, I saw rallies where they were talking about killing all the Jews over the last 10 days. And clearly what's going to happen, one of the most concerning things that comes out of this, and what I want you to take, if you take nothing else away from what I'm saying, he is going to attempt to lump funding for Israel with funding with Ukraine. He just asked for a blank check for wars that he created, for two wars that he caused because of his weakness, all while Americans are suffering here at home. For God's sake, we have veterans who are sleeping on the streets. We have, go to our city. Look at how our infrastructure is crumbling. Look at our southern border. Millions of illegal immigrants coming into this country and flooding our cities and causing crime waves and economic issues. By the way, women and children who are trafficked by the cartels are raped every step of the way on the way up here to America. Again, I mentioned it all the time. There's a tidal wave of human suffering at our southern border. We're doing nothing about it. You have fentanyl pouring in from our southern border. Fentanyl is the number one killer of people in this country. What are we doing about the problems that we face here at home? Even Social Security, something that you and I have paid into our whole life. If we stay on this trajectory, Social Security will be insolvent by 2035. What the hell is happening in Maui and the wildfires? Have you heard anything about that? Since it happened, there's been a total media blackout there. What about all the children that burned alive? There's research out there that says $6 billion could build every single person in Maui's home back brick by brick. But instead, would they just have to settle for $700 from the Biden administration and then no help from anybody else ever? The media doesn't cover it either? The hell is going on here? The White House just asked Congress for $100 billion in emergency national security funding in the wake of Biden's speech. $61.4 billion for Ukraine. Let me repeat that. $61.4 billion for Ukraine. Again, you'd think this would be 100% focused on Israel, one of our oldest allies in the Middle East. By the way, a threat that's clearly defined, a mission that's clearly defined, doesn't require U.S. boots on the ground. IDF doesn't even want U.S. boots on the ground. The money's already been appropriated, but no. What they're doing is $61.4 billion for Ukraine, 
14.3 billion for Israel, 14.5, 14.4 billion for the southern border, which great, uh, two billion dollars for the Indo-Pacific, 10 billion dollars for humanitarian aid in Gaza, Ukraine, Israel. So, the problem with this proposal is that these things all have to be separate bills. And every damn penny of these billion dollars that we're asking for, especially for Ukraine, every damn penny needs to be accounted for to the American people. Explain where every penny of the first hundred plus billion dollars to Ukraine went. Because the reality is, is that we don't even know. We don't even know. So I want to talk about this stuff happening here. Before I do that, I want to talk about brave books. Again, folks, the enemy is here, okay? We're going to talk about that and how you can protect yourself and your family and what's going on here domestically in the wake of this horrific terrorist attack in Israel. Stay tuned for that. But let me just do this real quick ad read about brave books. I mean, this is a great company. One of the best gifts that we can give our children is the, is the understanding and appreciation of freedom and patriotism. And what better way to do that than through compelling stories that resonate with our core values? This is where the Freedom Island Book Club steps in, presented by Brave Books. This book club is not just any book club. It's a treasure trove of stories that teach our young ones about the beauty of liberty, perseverance that built our great nation, and the very values that make America so special. Every single month, they select an age-appropriate title, ensuring your kids get the very best literature that aligns with the patriotic values we cherish. And it's not just about reading. It's about discussions, activities, and truly bonding over these shared values. Can you imagine the conversations at the dinner table? Parents, it's time that we turn off those screens, something I can identify with with five kids. Turn off the screens for a while and immerse our kids in tales of bravery, freedom, and the American spirit. And I have some great news for you. If you head over to kidsfreedombooks.com and use the promo code RVM, which is short for Red Voice Media, you get 15% off. Very, very cool, right? Uh, investing in our children's minds is one of the greatest gifts we can offer. Let them embark on a journey in dis of discovery with the Freedom Island Book Club. Believe me, the stories they'll read today will shape the patriots they become tomorrow. Be sure to go to kidsfreedombooks.com and use the promo code RVM to get 15% off. Okay, the threat is here, folks. It's here in America. And if you think what happened in Israel can't happen here, you got another thing coming. I mean, every single day on social media, I see pictures of Hamas supporters tearing down uh, missing, like missing pictures of Israeli men, women, and children. They're just tearing them down. Hostage, people who have been taken hostage by Hamas. Why? I mean, even if you're pro-peace, even if you are anti-war, even if you're pro-Palestinian and you just don't want Israel to invade. Why tear down pictures of women and children who are held hostage by a terrorist organization? Folks, that's evil. That's evil. That, that, it just is. And the level of depravity that, that, that must, must be in someone's heart to enable them to do something like that just is off the charts. But I want you to see this video of Christopher Ray, the FD, our FBI director, who is a little bit of a mouth breather, but he tells right here, warns of terrorist attacks on the United States soil in retaliation to Hamas terrorist attacks on Israel, or in relation, I should say, to the Hamas terrorist attacks on Israel. Listen to what Christopher Ray has to say here. Check it out. We remain committed to continue confronting those threats, both here in the United States and overseas. In this 
heightened environment. There's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. So I'd encourage you to stay vigilant because as the first line of defense protecting our communities, you're often the first to see the signs that someone may be mobilizing to violence. I'd also ask you to continue sharing any intelligence or observations you may have. And on our end, we're committed to doing the same so that together we can safeguard our communities. He's absolutely right. The threat of asymmetric terror is here, and they're using the southern border to get across. You, you know, you talk about the Joe Rogan voter. People's Pundit talked about the Aaron Rodgers, Joe Rogan voter. Joe Rogan was just talking about this asymmetric threat in the wake of this horrific terrorist attack that happened on Israel. Uh, go ahead and roll this tape and listen to Joe Rogan talk about this threat metastasized here in America. You know, one of the things that people are really concerned with is like, what if terror cells have gotten in across the border? When you're letting in hundreds of thousands of people across the border, what are the odds that a few of them are terrorists? Well, haven't they caught terrorists at the border? Haven't they like caught terrorists, people on the terrorist watch list trying to get through? They have, right? Yeah, definitely. So how many of them snuck through? I mean, is there an accurate accounting, or is it like Ukraine spending? <laughs> Do they even know the real numbers of people that are sneaking in? Because the numbers are cuckoo. The numbers are like hundreds of thousands a month. Have you seen the videos of the line of migrants making their way through the border? Mm -hmm. Like, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> who thought that was a good idea to, like, let potential terrorists and criminals into the country? That's why we need to build this wall, Joe. Because if you don't, if you <laughs> if you say that you're against that, you're racist, right? Which is wild, yeah, wild. And you got to wonder how much of that is engineered by other countries, how much of that is like engineered social media outrage by Russia. Hundred percent right. Russia has an incentive. China has an incentive to stir up stuff on social media and make it seem like securing our border is racist. But you can bet our enemies are and have been exploiting our open southern border. There are FBI estimates and terror estimates from our own intel communities that say that there are thousands of Hezbollah sleeper agents here in this country. And the reason why they're here, they're just laying in wait. Should the United States become embroiled in a conventional war with Iran, those agents will activate. And in the event that that happens, you all have got to be ready to defend yourself and your family. So find somebody that knows what the hell they're doing. Learn to shoot. Learn to defend your home. Then take what you learned and teach every single member of your family to shoot as well. Of course, age appropriate. You can't be having a two-year-old rocking around with, out there with a gun. But Use your judgment. Be proactive. You're not, you're being proactive. You're not being paranoid because it's not a question of if these threats will happen here. It's a question of when it's going to happen. And if you're in the vicinity, you are either going to be a victim or you are going to be prepared. And I implore you here on this show and tell your family and friends just to be ready. And so look, folks. We're coming up to the end of the show. Um, you know, we always go into the weekend with funny stuff. Um, we talked about so much serious stuff this week. I mean, for real. I um, it, This stuff, the speaker, the stuff in Israel, mouth-breathing Joe Biden. He's an abject disaster. He's an animated corpse. He's destroying this country. His weakness is dangerous. Uh, Republicans can't seem to get their act together, which makes the danger all more 
manifestly apparent right in our faces. Uh, all that's happening. And I saw some of you in the live chat saying that, oh my God, they're not watching any news this weekend. And I completely understand that. Uh, and you should tune out a little bit this weekend. But on Fridays, after we, of course, we play the mouth breather drinking game all week because the stuff that we're dealing with is just so stressful. On Friday, we talk about, um, we go out with funny stuff and, you know, everybody talks about, you know, I always used to talk about president Trump. And one of the things that I thought was amazing about president Trump, here's what I like about president Trump. This is a guy that, um, equal parts pisses off Republicans and Democrats at the same time. And you know what? That really matters a lot to me. Do you know why? Because I love this country. I love the Constitution. Um, I love the freedom that we have here. I love the challenge of passing on a freer country to our children, a, a better life than the one that we had. I love the opportunity. I love the, the, the idea that you can fail as many times as you want because you have the freedom to try whatever the hell you want to do. It's not about how many times you fail. It's about getting back up. And President Trump sort of represents that to me. He's a guy that, that got off the sidelines as a billionaire in an attempt to save this country. He's a guy that could have gone into the sunset as a billionaire playboy with Melania Trump as his wife and his amazing family and high rises in New York and Mar-a-Lago and everything else. But he risked everything just to try to turn this country around. And one of the things that I respect the most about him is that he doesn't try to be popular. He doesn't try to be a people pleaser. Because if you know anything about leadership, whether you're a leader in your own family or you're a manager or a leader at work or you've led folks in the military, if you aren't pissing somebody off every now and again as a leader, you're probably not doing your job. And one of the things that I admire about President Trump is that he pisses off Republicans and Democrats equally on a day-to-day -day basis. And you know what? That's how I know he's the perfect person for the job, you know? Um, his allegiance is to this country. His allegiance is to America. And we talk so much about Iran being... Um, a threat to this country. And I've talked to you a lot about how Kasim Soleimani and his assassination wasn't really an assassination, but how Trump killed him um, was something that was really funny. And Trump came out and if we're having some difficulties here getting this video to work. And so we're tr producers trying to get it to work. But one of my favorite, one of my favorite speeches of, of president Trump, it looks like we're having technical difficulties there. But one of my favorite speeches of President Trump is when he um, is when he talks about killing Kasim Soleimani and how he comes out there and he's like, you know, he died like a dog and there's happy dogs. And like there's this video out there comparing President Trump to President Obama and and all of that stuff. But it looks like I don't know if this video, if we're going to be able to get this video to work. Um, but we're coming towards the end of the show. We'll, we'll see if we can get it going for you next week. Um, but if you're watching the show and you've made it through the hour, um, 
Make sure you like this episode going into the weekend. It really, really matters. Subscribe to Battleground Live. That matters as well. Um, and also, if you're watching, subscribe to Red Voice Media. And immediately after this show, uh, there are probably about seven hours of content that Red Voice is going to be rolling out after this to take you in through the weekend and stuff like that. So if you're looking for more interesting stuff to, to pay attention to this weekend, to watch this weekend, go ahead and watch all that stuff. It would be really cool. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for sticking with us. We'll, we'll roll this funny stuff next week and I'll show you the video I was talking about of the comedian if we can get it to work uh, but in the meantime thank you all for tuning in I hope you all have a great weekend um, God bless you all thank you for watching and God bless this amazing country that we call home take care Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.